of you have been uh, invited, I have to get used to, we don't have the screen back here, so i got to get used to this. How many of you have been inviting these things into your property recently? <laughs> Just two of you, huh? All right. You know what, I'm, well, you know what that is, don't you? Uh, last weekend, I was at Mom and Dad's uh, for Memorial Weekend, and um, they are horrible over there. They are thick. Um, you can hear them here a little bit, but they really haven't. Is it true? Someone told me, I think Dave Sweat told me they like the sugar, sugar maple trees. Is that true? I think they like that. Um, and we don't, we have pin oaks at our house, but um, uh, at mom and dad's, man, they are everywhere. Um, they're uh, on the side of the houses and uh, they're on all the trees and coming out of their shells and uh, all over the pavement, the driveway, they're on the plants, they're on the patio furniture, they're everywhere, they're flying. Even when you walk across the grass, you're stepping on these things, and sometimes you're crunching as you go. I mean, it is thick there. Yeah, uh, not, as, not as bad here yet. Maybe some of you have them. There seems to be some confusion, though, as to what exactly are we calling these things. Um, the names that I've been hearing is locusts, I've been hearing cicadas, uh, katydids. Uh, there's a couple scientific names, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, acrididaes and tabison, tabison. Um, those were some of the names that they called these things. From my little research, though, um, locusts are more of a grasshopper-type insect, right? Okay? And uh, they, they have a tendency to eat the crops and destroy everything. Um, if you read uh, in Exodus, it is the eighth plague that hit Pharaoh in Egypt. And it was the locust that came and it just destroyed everything. And anything and everything that is green, it destroyed it. That's not what we're dealing with here. I believe this is the cicada, the 17-year cicada. More or less harmless, but boy, aren't they a pest. Um, they just really drive you nuts, and they're extremely loud and extremely annoying. You're probably saying, Brock, why are you talking about cicadas here on Sunday morning? Last week, we launched into a new series called This is War. This is War. Talked about all the names of the locusts, cicadas, exactly what are their names. Do you know that the chief enemy in our war, our opponent, did you know that he has various names as well? And if we are going to be engaged in this war, church, we had better know our enemy. We had better know our enemy. He has several names and I just want to highlight some of them with you this morning. He is called Satan, the adversary. Adversary is a group or persons that oppose or attacks. One who stands for the very opposite of something or someone else. Now, as I go through this list of descriptions, you're probably going to say, wow, I experienced that this week. Or yes, I can identify with that description of who he is. It's one that is our adversary. We know that Satan always stands for the very opposite of God, trying to misconstrue the character of God and thwart his purposes. He's also known as the devil. That word means slanderous. He's a slanderer. Someone who creates false rumors or defamatory statements about someone else. 
The devil will often whisper lies into our ears in hopes of reducing or destroying God's reputation, which in turn will diminish your confidence and your faith in God. He's also called this Lucifer, which stands for morning star or day star, shining one. He knows that if, there, if he were to reveal himself, now think about this, Satan knows if he were to reveal himself in his true character, in his true form, we would be so repulsed, we would be so terrified, we would be so revolted that we would never even give in to his schemes. So he makes his appearance and tactics seem attractive and alluring and charming. He's also known as the tempter, one who tempts people for the purposes of enticing them to sin. He's also known as the ruler of the world, meaning that he has influence all over the world. He will use cultures and their traditions. He will use societies and their practices to his purposes. What do I mean? There are countries like communistic and atheistic Russia and China. He will use their religions and their philosophies and their atheism, atheism to twist the truths of God's world in order to steer people away from God. He is the ruler of the world, also known as the prince of the power of the air, prince of darkness meaning he works in the invisible spiritual realm. We've been talking about this for several weeks now. He is the leader of dark forces, a very real yet invisible realm that affects everything seen and heard in the physical and visible world. A few more. He's also known as the accuser. That means one who condemns. If you are here this morning, if you're not a believer, then he will constantly remind you of who you are or what you are in order to keep you beat down, in order to keep you from turning to the Lord. If you are a believer here, some of you have uh, given testimony to this. If you are a believer, he will try to remind you of all the ugly things of your past things that are under the blood of Jesus Christ, but he will try to remind you of your sinful past, making you susceptible to feelings of condemnation and guilt. He is also the father of lies. When he speaks and when he acts, he will always try to falsify and deceive. He will seek to mislead you with inaccuracies regarding God, regarding His Word, and regarding God's plan for your life. How many of you would say, yes, I have faced that one that you were talking about in the different forms and the different names? You know what I'm talking about. Folks, this is our enemy. This is who we are dealing with. Our main focus over the past six weeks or so has been on prayer, has been on prayer Listen, he will use all of his titles to keep you and me from praying. I'm not trying to be profound, not trying to dramatize this, but I'm telling you, ever since we launched, launched into War Room six, seven weeks ago, I don't know when it was, 
There's just been a difficulty in praying. There's just been something about pushing through and trying to get to the throne room of God. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think He knows. What do I mean by that? Follow this with me. If Satan can beat you down with discouragement, if he can cause you to be discontent, if he can bring up shameful things from your past, trick you into thinking that your situation will never change, did you hear me, church? Tricking you into thinking that your situation will never change. If he can deceive you about who God really is, causing you to just doubt God altogether. If he can do all of these things, soon you will lose your passion. And when we lose passion, one of the first things to go in our life is prayer. Say amen or ouch to that. We stop feeling like we want to pray, so we don't. And when we stop praying, we stop caring about relationships. We cease caring about our purity. We stop caring about what is morally right and wrong. We stop caring about those things that we do behind closed doors when no one else is looking. When these types of thing, type of things take place, Satan has us right where he wants us. We no longer want to fight for our marriages our wayward children, we stop believing that there really is a Jeremiah 29, 11 for you and for you and for you and for me. You stop believing that there is a future, there is a hope for you. And I have to believe that some of you today have, it's been days, if not weeks or months, since you've been really in the Word or you've been in prayer. Maybe you've lost your spiritual mojo. I don't know. And you don't care enough to get it back. It's almost like, uh, I was thinking, uh, sometimes we're like in quicksand. You know, you, you find yourself in, in times of life to where something may be dragging you down or maybe just coming against you or oppressing you. And you know what you need to do. You know you need to be in God's Word. You know you need to be praying. You know you need to be involved in the life of the church and with believers. And you just can't seem to get yourself there. That is an attack of the enemy. That is an attack of the evil one, church. That is what he's trying to do. And if this describes you, you could be in a very dangerous position. There's a pattern, perhaps you recognize it. I'm going to put this up here. How many of you are fishers? Fishermen? Fishers. Ready? Okay. All right. You can tell I'm not a fisher. I don't know if it's fisher or fisherman or whatever it is, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. I've, I've never really been. I've gone a couple of times. It's been kind of fun, but I, you know, it just has never really caught on with me. But I don't know. Those of you who, who enjoy this sport, you can come up and tell me if I'm way off base here. But I would imagine there are hundreds, if not thousands, of different kinds of bait or lures depending upon what you're trying to catch. Would that be true? There's a ton of them out there, right? Yeah. There, and, and each one is made specifically to try and get, trap, hook a specific kind of fish. 
Listen, I believe that Satan, he, he can pick up on our strengths. He can pick up on our weaknesses. And he knows the exact kind of bait to use in our life, church. He carefully watches us and he knows our current situations, taking into account our strengths and our weaknesses. He's aware of our history. He's aware of your past victories and he's aware of your past defeats. And then what he does is he will craft, he will customize specific baits just for you and just for me in order to hook us, in order to reel us in to where he wants us. He has custom baits for those with anger issues. He has specific baits for those with discouragement issues. Those who are prone to pornography or promiscuity, he knows how to lure you in. Those who are prone to physical ailments. Those tempted to worry and doubt. Those who are tempted uh, uh, with various substance abuse. And the list goes on and on. And have you ever noticed that, that um, the, the situation in your life just kind of keeps repeating? He just wraps it in a different package. And, but it, it seems to be a lot of the same thing time after time. Let me just highlight again for you this morning. Our enemy is real. He knows you. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. Now, I, I don't mean to freak anybody out. I'm not trying to scare anyone here this morning. I'm not trying to say that um, uh, like you, you, you have a um, homing device on you or he's tracking. I mean, he, he knows exactly when you uh, go to the refrigerator or you can't go to your car without, you know, I'm not trying to make you think that. But he is aware. He is aware. He is the ruler of this world. He, he, he can tell our actions. He knows our emotions. When, uh, I, I, don't, I don't believe he knows really what we're thinking. But he knows how it comes out. He knows how it is expressed in a visible form. He knows if you've been defeated. He knows if there is victory. Why else does it say, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee? If that is not the truth, then he's not going to, then God wouldn't have put that in there. So he knows our actions. He knows the things that we battle with. However, aren't you glad there's a however? Aren't you glad that there's a however in this whole scenario? The closer you get to God, the more you get in His Word, the more you pray, the sooner you'll realize His tactics. You'll even be able to cut them off at the pass. What do I mean by that? If you have a worry issue, there should come a point in our Christian experience when we begin to feel what's getting ready to come off. Uh, this morning, I woke up with a headache. Don't know why. Don't know if it's an allergy thing or whatever. But I sensed a headache, and I knew that if I didn't jump on it, I'd be in trouble the rest of the day. So I took action. I took steps, and I took some ibuprofen. I'm good now. There comes those points to where we ought to be able to sense and feel 
what is getting ready to happen in our life, in the spiritual world. Remember, we are not battling against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of the air, against the spiritual forces of darkness. But we have one that is greater. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than anything. Praise the Lord. That's right. Our God, he knows. But we have to turn to him for him to help us. If you have a worry issue, there should come a point in time when you sense it coming on. Just like taking a headache pill. Take specific spiritual steps to defeat the enemy. This happened to me this week. I recognized an attack was coming from the enemy and I took steps to end it before it really grabbed a hold of me. Now some of you are thinking, boy, I wonder what that is. I wonder what he battled with. doesn't matter. Because <laughs> you have them too. One of those steps was I recognized what was taking place and I took authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he has given me that ability. Or I've given you the authority to trample on serpents. To take authority over the evil one. See, some of it is our spiritual attitude, church. And I say that as much as an ouch as an amen. I wish I could just shoot that thing right back. Not you, Ryan or Don. Just that <laughs> clock back there on the wall. All right. <laughs> I I just ought to just put this in the bulletin. On Katrina, she's with the baby. Just, if you've got to leave at any time, just leave. I'm going to follow the Lord and do what God wants me to do. Okay. So we'll just do that. If you've got an appointment at a restaurant, then go. Whatever. Listen, church, I believe there are times, and I believe perhaps it's high time, that we get angry with the enemy and we start taking the battle to the enemy. Satan is indeed a formidable foe, but he is not God. He is powerful, but he is not all-powerful. He is not indestructible. He can be defeated. We just have to be prepared. There are two things that you need to know about in getting preparation. Now, unless God moves in a different direction, I promise next week we're going to begin talking about Ephesians 6 and putting on the armor of God and what does it mean to put the belt of truth on and the breastplate of righteousness and what exactly does that mean. We're going to start hitting that next week, but I'm trying to prepare your hearts. I'm trying to get our minds focused in the right direction. We need to make sure that we need to know our weaknesses. You see, I believe Satan has an idea of our weaknesses, but the question is, do you know what your weakness is? If you don't know what your weakness is, that, that could be a problem. That could, that, that could be a problem. Every single one of us, and we just kind of spoke about this, but I believe that every single human being is born with weaknesses or dispositions bent towards certain sinful tendencies whether it comes from our personalities, whether it comes from our family upbringing, whether it comes from life experiences, whether it comes from the culture around us, we all have weaknesses and Satan is just ready to pounce on them at any and every opportunity that he can. Do you have a bent towards alcoholism? See, these are things we have to talk about in church and not just act like these things never happen. Do you have a bent towards pornography? Do you have a bent towards... We all have weaknesses. We're prone to things. 
Satan will try to destroy you. Uh, some of you um, have talked to me, and you might be prone to depression, oppression. Maybe some of you are prone to really doubt and to worry and to have a lot of anxiety. We need to know, we need to know our weaknesses. But let me also say this. We need to know our strengths. We need to know our strengths. Now, this may sound strange, but as we talked about last week, Satan uses stealth technology, does he not? He will hit us at times and in ways that we're not even prepared, we're not even looking for. No area is off limits to him. He will even take those areas that are a strength and he will try to use them to defeat us. Do you have a strong marriage? Trust me, he will use conflicts and stresses that will put your marriage under a strain. No area is off limits. Do you feel strong in the word? Are you bold for God? Have you had very little physical trouble? He'll attack all of these areas. Our home has experienced this at different times. Let me just be transparent with you. Um, There is no marriage and no home that doesn't face attacks, that doesn't face difficulties. Our home is no different. Down through the years, there have been things that have happened, and I may have said this before, there are things that have happened that have hit our marriage and hit our family, hit our home, and it's stealth. It kind of knocks us off and we get a little wobbly, and uh, maybe I get a little short fuse with Stephanie, or I just, there's just, I'm just off, and it just, you know, and if you let things like that go on long enough, it begins to eat away at the relationship. It begins to eat away at the home. It begins to eat away at the the unity, the Christ-likeness of the home. And then we realize what is taking place in God, and we we humble ourselves, and we break before God. We say, God, help us. We're just like you. Just like you. We need to anticipate the enemy he even hit our strength, especially, especially, church, if you were taking on this challenge of prayer seriously. If you're taking it on seriously, then Satan's going to hit you. We're now in the lazy days of summer, but don't allow that mindset to lull us to sleep spiritually. Oh, Brock, would you hear that? If you are going to be a soldier in this war, we had better know who and what we're up against. Last week we talked about that we are in a wrestling match. Uh, Ephesians 6 is telling us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We are in a wrestling match and our enemy is indeed trying to pin us down. Satan will use stealth mode, but we desperately need God to open our eyes. We talked about 2 Kings chapter 6 and Elijah and his servant God, open our eyes, not just to the battle that rages around us, but open our eyes to the fact that we are on the winning side as well. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? We get so depressed and so oppressed and so defeated, we forget whose side that we're on. We are on the winning side. May we see what Elijah and his servants saw, that there is more for us than there are against us. Someone needs to hear that today. Someone here needs to hear and know and begin believing 
that if you are walking with the Lord, you may feel like you're way outnumbered, but really look beyond the army that's on the hillside. Look beyond um, the Syrians. Look beyond and see the angelic army that is for you. They vastly outnumber the enemy. Ephesians 6 tells us this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Those two verses, those, those two sets of two words, work out, put on. Do you realize those are action statements on our part? Those are things that you and I must initiate. When we do those things, then God will take care of the rest. Listen, when we were children, our parents used to dress us, right? Used to dress us. They used to put on our clothes for us. But there came a point in time when we began dressing ourselves. Wouldn't it be really weird if every morning my mom came from Richmond, Ohio, and came up to put clothes on her son? <laughs> right? Some of you just got a visual of that. It's rather disturbing, wasn't it? There comes a time, church, when we need to be the ones to engage the enemy of our souls, when we need to be the ones to work out salvation with fear and trembling, we need to be the ones to step up and put on the full armor of God. What does that mean? We are the ones who must begin applying the belt of truth. We are the ones who must put on the breastplate of righteousness. We are the ones that must take up the sword of the Spirit. God's not going to clothe us for us. We have to put it on. We have to make the conscientious decision each and every day, not just on Sunday or whenever you feel like being spiritual. We have to make the conscientious decision every day to put these things on. And as one last reminder this morning, the one thing that we set out to focus on approximately six weeks ago in War Room and all things we must put on prayer. Pastor Brock, how many times are you going to talk about prayer? I once heard a pastor say, it's not how many times I preach it, it's how long it takes for you to get it. (laughs) Prayer is that mechanism that will bring down the power of heaven into our experiences. Some of you are doing this. Keep it up. Continue on. Find new heights to press on to. Prayer is what will empower and energize the armor that we will begin to talk about next week. Prayer is what will put you and I on Satan's top ten most wanted list. Don't you want to be on that list? Well, of course the answer is yes. I'm preaching. You're there. Obviously the answer is yes, but don't you want to be on Satan's top ten most wanted list? And we say yes to that, but that comes with a cost. comes with a price. Prayer is Satan's kryptonite. 
It weakens and unravels all of his ploys. Doesn't matter what title, doesn't matter what name he tries to use in your situation, prayer unravels and destroys it all. And with as much love and compassion as I can muster, let me just say that unless prayer is a vital and thriving part of our lives, we will never achieve spiritual victories. Church, we'll just go through service after service, Sunday school after Sunday school, VBS program after VBS program. We'll go through Wednesday night after Wednesday night just doing our thing. If prayer is not leading our way, nothing significant in God's kingdom will take place. That's why I still emphasize every Sunday at 9.45, I try to be in here praying. That's the main reason I started that out there. We just put some new chairs and a couple drinks out there, but I want people praying. I want people praying. I need your prayer. I don't want it to be just going through the motions. No matter how many times we talk about prayer, teach about prayer, preach about prayer, sing about prayer, have seminars and programs and committees about prayer, it's worthless if we don't pray. This Wednesday, I've been talking about trying to find a unique way of getting our church involved um, more praying together. And this Wednesday, I'm going to talk more about that. So hopefully you'll have a chance to come out to that. Next Sunday, we'll start about start talking about our weapons, about the armor of God. But let me leave you with a couple practical tips and then we're going to be done. Um, One of the things that I I observed in the movie of War Room is uh, just her system of prayer cards and and how she was using it. And um, If you are going to choose to ramp up your prayer life, first let me tell you, make sure your heart is right with God. That's where it must begin. That's where everything must start. Make sure there is nothing between your heart and God. If there is a relationship that needs repaired in your life, repair it. Take care of it. Make sure your heart is clean before God. Secondly, begin to take God at his word. Those areas in your life that you're burdened with, begin taking God and his promises and making them personal in your situation. I have these. Some of you have these as well. I just brought a couple. They're my prayer cards. They have scripture verses on them. What I would suggest some of you may do, and this might work for you, it might not. This is what I'm starting to do now, and I think it's kind of what they did in the movie. I'm not saying that's the gospel, but it's just it's a different form of how you do this. Take a prayer card, Psalm 94:19. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me great joy. What you can do is you can begin to alter that. Just say, God, this thing that I'm experiencing, it's worrying me. It's causing me a lot of stress. It's great within my life, God. But God, I believe that your consolation, I believe that your comforts, I believe that your presence, God, I believe that you just being here with me, God, is going to give me the strength that I need. Psalm 94, 19. See how you do that? 
Isaiah 41.10, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. When you adapt this and write it out in a piece of paper, a card, or whatever it is, put it on your wall, in your prayer closet, in your war room, and be faithful to this every day. Watch God move. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Let's begin to take the fight to the enemy. This is war. But it's a war that we can win when the captain of the army is leading. I'm through. Mandy, you can come on up. We're just going to sing a simple chorus. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. If there is something in your life that you want, maybe you want to begin this journey. Maybe there's a need. Maybe there's something in your life. The altars are open. They're always open. If you want me to have a word of prayer with you or you want us to just have a, a time up here to where you can just share. I'll be glad to do that with you after service. I know they're getting ready for the meal down there, but where are you at? Spirit of the living God, would you fall fresh on me? Give us a new experience this morning. Would you bow your heads, please? Father God, we acknowledge the enemy, and we acknowledge that he is indeed powerful, but he's not you, God. He is not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He knows a lot of things, but he doesn't know everything. He's not omniscient. He's not ever-present. Lord, I pray that you would help me as I continue to press to new heights. And Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to help us in this fight. We ask, Holy Spirit, that whatever need is taking place with those here this morning, that you be real to them, that they would know that you love them, and that you're going to take care of them. Lord, that today they perhaps can start on a new journey. new journey with you leading the way. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we are conquerors, made more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. That you have given us the authority to trample on serpents, to take authority over the enemy. God, maybe there's someone here this morning that needs to just declare before you and, and really tell the enemy they're done. He's done messing with their life. He's had enough destruction. He's had enough influence on their life. He's through. It's time that we get angry at the enemy and be empowered about what you want to do in our life, Father. It's not about us. It's not about what we can do, but it's about you, Holy Spirit, filling us, leading us, and guiding us in this prayer life and being a victorious warrior for Jesus Christ. God, our church... Our church needs you, Lord. Help us, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please?